Welcome to Sports Beat KC Big 12 Tournament Edition. You know, until the Royals decided to win the World Series and the Chiefs decided to win playoff games, this is my favorite week <laughs> of the year. It's still a great week, and you can't always count on the Royals winning World Series or the Chiefs winning playoff games. So I think it's consistently the, the best week of the, the year for sports in Kansas City. You think so? I do, but I just love the idea that we're just now we're just a town that's spoiled with playoff wins in the NFL, part, World sports, Series titles, parties, college sports, smallage sports all of a sudden, right? <laughs> no, but this this is my, even still, I mean, this is, um, you know, yeah, if, if the Royals could win the World Series every year, that would that would probably be more fun. But this is my favorite. I, I love this week. I freaking love this week. I like how they closed down Grand Avenue. Yeah. Uh, every year, yeah. closed down. In fact, I noticed uh, leaving downtown on Monday night, they already had the blockades mm-hmm. up. So it's uh, the party has uh, is about to start. And, uh, and, and for the last few years, I, I, I think it's always – been a very competitive tournament uh teams you know plenty of nationally ranked teams but for the last few years this has been competitively uh, at least in terms of ranking and ncaa tournament teams uh the the best tournament in, in the country you you i, I think even so, somewhat neutral uh, observers of college basketball will tell you that it's the best tournament going and the the excitement that the, that the fans bring when they come here certainly gives it the best atmosphere but I, I don't think this year's any different when it comes to the competitive nature of this thing what do we is it five six teams in the poll this week AP poll um, Kansas of course is number one West Virginia is nine Jesse, who am I, who am I missing here? The Texas State or Iowa State, I know, is for like 21, 22, 23. Yep, all those down there. And, I mean, basically everybody except for Texas Tech who's going to make the tournament. But uh, I guess the only downside to it, obviously the tickets are going for crazy amounts on StubHub and people can't get tickets anywhere. And that's usually what it's like because, obviously, the entire state of Iowa picks itself up and moves down to Kansas City right. for the weekend. Uh, the only thing I wish, I think this happened back in the day, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Blair, but they used to have this tournament a little bit earlier, kind of like a midseason tournament. I think I'd make it a lot more fun because right now, most of these teams you figure are in the NCAA tournament already, and even a team like Kansas, you figure they're locked into a one seed. So you have all these great teams together in this one venue, and there's a lot of excitement. Um, but before, it's kind of like, what's my motivation? You know what I mean? Like a lot of these teams, you figure they're already in the tournament. So it's going to be entertaining games, fun games, but obviously not as important as what's coming the next week. They did have the old uh, the old Big Eight holiday tournament, and that was played between Christmas and, and New Year's. And it was the eight big eight schools getting together, and it was they, they had that before they had a postseason tournament, or the, that, that tournament existed before there was a postseason tournament. And then for four years, they actually did both. Yeah, they played the holiday, big eight played the holiday tournament, and then they played the postseason tournament. So you had a chance to play the same team four times in, <laughs> in a regular season. Uh, that was the the end of the, the holiday tournament. It ended in the mid '70s. I think Kim Anderson, the Missouri coach, was one of the last players to participate. His team in Missouri, one of the last ones to participate in the in the holiday tournament. But uh, this, pro- I'm sorry, this is probably a stupid question. But that holiday tournament, did that ever uh, uh, the the automatic bid, or was that the, no, no, no? That, all that, all that, that was was, was a, you that, know, yeah. it was a, just a a way for teams to fill their schedule to get games. Yeah, it started right, right. right after World War II and. And it builds up, but you know, tradition builds up, and uh, you, you'll get fans of, uh, you know, grandfathers of fans to tell you that they used to go to the old Big Eight holiday tournament, and it was just a wonderful feeling. The, the teams would all stay within a couple of mi- a couple of hotels with each other downtown, and they'd all eat the same restaurants, and there was a really kind of a feeling of camaraderie among the teams here, 
and uh, the you know the, the Christmas lights were still up in downtown Kansas City, yeah. and um, the, the 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 games were sold out. It was a really big event. Um, it, of course, it had to go. I mean, you, you can't have that and a uh, and a postseason tournament. Somebody had the idea here in the last couple of years that with the Big Twelve being in the in the state that it's in, wouldn't it be fun to bring back a holiday tournament that would include Missouri and Nebraska and you know Kansas, Kansas State, maybe maybe a doubleheader, maybe you bring in Wichita State, whatever, just make it uh, local schools that uh, in, including some of the former Big Twelve schools might be the fun. nostalgia invitational. Is what <laughs> <we'd like. laughs> That would be fun. Yeah. Uh, it would be. Yeah. All right, but but we've got this 2016 Big 12 tournament, and, and Jesse's right. I, I don't see where any school has anything to gain, really much to gain. I think the seed lines are pretty much set. Uh, I think the teams that are going to be in the NCAA tournament are pretty well identified at this point. If one of the bottom three teams, which is uh, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, or TCU – Goes four and zero. Oh, obviously, they're in the tournament, but that's never happened in the history. This is the twentieth Big Twelve tournament. Nobody's ever gone four and zero, oh, and um, few teams have gone. I think three or four teams have gone three and one, but nobody's gone four and zero. Oh, and I don't certainly don't expect that this year with the with the quality of teams that uh, that any of those bottom three would have to beat to get to an NCAA tournament bid. But I I think Kansas is going to be a number one seed no matter what happens in Kansas City, and I think if they win one game. Maybe it takes two games. I think they can be the overall number one seed. And um, West if, it, Virginia, if it ended today, they'd they'd be one. They'd, they'd be one one. So they'd have to play themselves out. That's right. Uh, that's right. And there, there are some other Villanova, Michigan State. There's some other you know possibilities for that. But Kansas has 14 wins against the RPI top 50. 14. Nobody else has more than 10. And, and that's Oregon, which and, I thought was kind of Oregon, that, which that is probably me. a two or three seed right now. But Kansas has kind of lapped the field when mm-hmm. it comes to quality victory. So uh, I, I just think Kansas is pretty much set as a one seed, and maybe just needs one victory to be the the one one. Uh, West Virginia, I think, is a in Oklahoma is a possible one seed, but probably I think more likely a two. Uh, West Virginia, two or a three. Iowa State. Uh, the others, uh, Baylor and Texas, probably no worse than six seeds, and Texas Tech a seven or an eight. But let's let's focus in on Kansas right away. Uh, they would play the winner uh, of the Kansas State Oklahoma State game, and Jesse, nobody's playing nobody's playing better than Kansas in the Big Twelve, maybe in the country. I think they is it Kansas? Does Kansas have the longest winning streak in the country now? Or I'm not Austin, sure about that, but eleven straight wins has to be pretty close. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, think I saw where Austin P had uh, a long winning streak, but I don't know if they still have it now. But Eleven is well, and it's not just an eleven. It's not just that Kansas has an eleven-game winning streak. They've beaten a lot of good teams to win. You have to in the Big Twelve to get to eleven in a row. And I know we haven't talked since they've won a few of these games, but I was just blown away at how well they played at Texas. And that was that was a phenomenal. <laughs> that was incredible. Yeah, I, I didn't think they were going to win that game. Honestly, you they know, cut I, nets two days earlier. Yeah, you know, talk about the motivation. Well, and there's so many other factors involved with it, too. You know, you play a, a Monday road game after Saturday, and we know from from articles and from rest and fatigue and all these sorts of things that that's basically the toughest turnaround you can have is that you play on a Saturday and then you have to go on the road on a Monday. So you have that against you. You have senior day for Texas against you. You have KU cutting down nets. Maybe the motivation isn't there. And then, I mean, they just came out and played their best game of the season, you know, whomped. Texas in that game won by 30. And so, yeah, you're right. They are playing about the best basketball. I think what makes Kansas really dangerous at this point is that 
there were certain points early in this year when the offense was just unbelievable. Like in Maui, they're making every shot, and they're just blowing out UCLA or whoever. Uh, and then they hit their lull in January where they weren't as energetic, but their defense was kind of letting them down, and Bill Self was worried about dribble penetration and his guards not guarding as well on the perimeter. But since that point in February, since this win streak has started, you see a balanced KU team where this is where his teams have been dangerous in the past, where there's a team – if they're not making shots in a certain game or if a team is locking you down, then they just get better defensively. Or the opposite is, happens. If, if, if they're playing Iowa State and Iowa State is, is playing pretty well offensively, well, then KU turns around and makes a bunch of shots on the other end. So when you have that sort of balance, that's kind of what I look for for a potential run with a tournament team is a team that can withstand a bad offensive game with a good defensive effort and then vice versa can withstand a bad defensive game with good offense. And I think in the last – month or so you've seen this team really come together especially defensively I think you saw that reflected too in the Big 12 all tournament or the Big 12 all defensive team where Frank Mason and Devontae Graham both get on there that's not something I would have expected a month ago yeah I think Buddy Heald helped them <laughs> that team. Um, both games did yeah, yes yeah even as uh, it's just such a weird thing that you can score 44 points and somebody played good defense against you but uh, anyway yeah that, like the, the one thing like if you can sort of pick nits here and just you know they don't have um, that overwhelming talent. They don't have like uh, a Buddy Heald score or a Denzel Valentine kind of guy. There's but no first team All America on this team. Yeah, right. And and you know th- their best sort of natural score is Perry Ellis, who still needs some help to set up his offense. Um, you know Wayne Seldon um, can be super dangerous either way. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. uh, depending on on uh, his shot selection. So. Uh, I mean, you know, there there are no boats without holes, right? Um, but they are certainly like w- we could go through and talk about, um, you know, where do the points come from from West Virginia or, um, you know, Oklahoma? How can they guard? Or you know, th- th- everybody has like some of these weaknesses. North Carolina, who a lot of people think uh, might be the best team in the country, they they don't play defense very much at all. So I mean, the, the, KU is really they're, they're set up well. The one thing they don't have is just sort of this like superior talent um that they can just go get a bucket but you know they had that um what two years ago and that guy got two points in in a second round loss so yeah. you know that it doesn't always work that way either and and in the year before that they had ben mclemore you're talking about andrew wiggins two years yeah. ago and the year before that they had ben mclemore who i remember had a he had a good game against Michigan in the in the Sweet 16 game, but he really didn't play well at all in Kansas City in the first two rounds mm-hmm. of the NCAA tournament. So, um, and then there was just nobody like that for Kansas against Wichita State last year. You know, so uh, so just in, in the last few minutes, we mentioned Selden, Ellis, Graham, and Mason, and we haven't mentioned the team's most valuable player. <laughs> Landed Lucas. <laughs> yeah, is, like we all had <laughs> to, at the beginning of the year. I mean, it, it's it's no coincidence. I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, that this team has gotten better with um, with the constant starting presence of Landon Lucas. And it's not because Lucas averages what uh, what what is he up to about six six points a game, something like that. Five point three. Five point three, and probably similar in rebounds. Although he's maybe a little bit better than that rebounding. Yeah, six point three. So. But what what is what what is he? I mean, wh- why has he been a difference maker, or why has his presence made a difference to Kansas? Yeah, well, Sam and I both were there in Lawrence, and I actually kind of asked him that: why, why did he think he was, or or why does has this fit since he started went in the starting lineup and Bill Self decided or talked to his top four players and asked them who, who they would go with, and they said Landon Lucas. Uh, why? What made him the best fit? Why has it worked out since then? And Landon basically said he thought that. 
what he likes to do fits well with what the team needed him to do, basically. You know, Perry Ellis goes in there, and I think it's pretty clear by now, Perry Ellis likes to score, and he can score, and he can do it in a lot of variety of ways, but he's not the guy that's going to go elbow people except for last game, elbow people and go get a rebound, you know, go hustle to a ball except for last game. But that's just not who he is. He's he's the guy that's going to score. He's going to be a guy defensively that's in there for you. But that sort of dirty work sort of stuff is, is not his forte. And even if Bill Self was trying to get out of him for four years and it only shows up in flashes, it's just not going to be what he does best. Whereas Landon Lucas, he wasn't a top 150 player out of high school. Like, he's a big body. He doesn't jump well. He's not a great... Uh, offensive scorer so what he likes to do is rebound and and be that sort of gritty tough player so I think it's worked because with Landon Lucas he's just been a really good compliment to Perry Ellis and then not only that it's allowed their freshmen and everybody else to kind of fall in behind them and to me there's always something to be said for at least knowing your role I mean at least if those guys know what they're supposed to be doing instead of okay you're starting this game you're not starting this game you're playing 25 minutes this game okay this is the worst matchup for you're playing five minutes at least now I think everybody could kind of fall in place behind Landon Lucas, and that allowed them to have that stabilizing force as a starter and let everybody else kind of know where they fit in in the team concept, at least with this year's team. Well, it's not just like the um, – it's it's great that that's what he likes to do, Landon Lucas, um, but it's a perfect fit for what they need too because, um, like you mentioned, with, with, with Ellis's rebounding, not that good, and Ellis's defense – Less than not that good. <laughs> yeah. okay. So yeah. when, when, you know, in, in theory, Sheck Diallo should be a terrific defender. Uh, you know, just he's so gifted, long arms, athletic, quick jump, big body, um, but he's just not there yet. And he just, you know, there, there's a, a technique, I guess, is just not there. He doesn't body up. I mean, there, you know, we don't need to get too much into that stuff. But when you put him with Ellis, that means the other big has got a lot of chance, you know, a lot of chances to score. But now at least you have a guy that's focused defensively and, and can sort of be a presence in there. He's not the rim protector that, um, you know, they thought they were going to have, um, you know, last year maybe with Cliff Alexander, like they had. You know, the classic example is always going to be Jeff Withy probably. But um, he's at least a big body down there, and he rebounds the dog out of it. I mean, he's a really good rebounder. Yeah, last time I checked in Big Twelve play, he was the second best offensive rebounder and defensive rebounder. I think behind. Rico gathers yeah. in both of those. So, like, he's been basically the second-best rebounder in Big 12 play. To go back to your point with Shaq Diallo, I think it's it's part of it, too, to maybe appreciate what Joel Embiid was for KU because he was late to basketball like mm-hmm. Shaq Diallo. But I think the difference between those two players is that I, – I keep using the word savant, but I think Joel Embiid was more – a savant when it came to just basketball knowledge and knowing where to be and getting a feel. It seems like Shaq Diallo more plays center field a lot and he loses his man a lot and he just wants to block every shot, which can help you. But again, in this kind of team defensive scheme that Bill Self has, putting Landon Lucas in there, you kind of have this anchor. You don't have to help on his man. You don't have Uh to trap the post. It eliminates a lot of the brain work. But again, you're right. Shaq Diallo would have been a perfect compliment. I just don't think, and this is nothing against Shaq Diallo, I just don't think his basketball IQ is up to the level of what it needs to be after starting the game late. And that might be something that Joel Embiid had that maybe we didn't give him enough credit for because he was late to the game, but not only did he develop physically, he just had a feel for what to do out there. And that's why he was so successful, successful early on. Yeah, I mean, it's such a small thing, but like when Diallo's out there, sometimes you notice he's not bodying up his guy and he's letting his guy back into him mm-hmm. and just trying to out jump the guy to block the shot. Yeah. Sometimes it works. Yeah. But a lot of times he's athletic. He's, yeah, yeah. But a lot of times he's given up, you know, terrible position and, and the guy can get an easy bucket. He's also really good help defense. If, if your guy's driving to the bucket, he can leave his man and block a shot. 
he can also leave his man and then the pass. Well, goes I think to you saw with Jamil McKay, but, especially too, because he was, I mean, offensive rebounding, Bill Self was putting in everybody to try to kick him off the offensive yeah. glass, and Shaq Diallo couldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. God, he was good the other day. Man. <laughs> He, he's, Kansas brings out the best in him for whatever reason. There yeah. was a game two years ago at Allen Fieldhouse, or I'm sorry, at, at Hilton, yeah, where yeah, same thing. That. He was beating KU's everybody down the court, uh-huh. and they were just throwing him baseball passes. He was putting in layups. I mean, it was crazy. KU never gets beat in transition, and McKay was lighting him up. I don't know. You know, before the game, he talked about how he's going to be surprised if, if, if Iowa State didn't win. But, man, that guy backs it up when he plays mm-hmm. Kansas. If he could play like that every single game, we would be have more discussion about him for these all Big 12 teams. I remember that game. It was all night long. They just – Transition Kansas yeah. to death on the on those passes. Um, well, that you know that leads me into another part of the discussion here is should Sheck Diallo and Svi Mikhailuk and Brandon Green and you know those guys Hunter Mickelson should they get more minutes in this Big Twelve tournament? Uh, what is the uh, Kansas like everybody else coming to Kansas City wants to win the Big Twelve tournament? Is Kansas best served by playing three? You know, three games in three days with a what, what is likely going to be a Thursday first round NCAA game in Des Moines as the number one seed in the Midwest. Uh, are they are they well served by playing Frank Mason and Devontae Graham and um, and Perry Ellis thirty three minutes a game for three games in a row? Sam, I'm interested to hear what you think. No, <laughs> I, I, I don't, what's, yeah. what's the short answer? Yeah. No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think that um, it's more important. Everybody, like what you, you just said. You just said it perfectly. Like, everybody wants to win this tournament, right? Nobody needs to win this tournament mm-hmm. at all. Um, it's not just that you would rather win the next tournament than this one. It's that you would rather lose the Big 12 tournament, even in the quarters of the semis, and, and win one more game in the NCAA tournament. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's not meaningless, but there's, no, there's nothing at stake either. And, um, yeah, I mean, if, like, if somebody sprains their ankle, um, in the quarterfinal, you sit them in the semifinal. No even, doubt. even if that person is Frank Mason or um, Perry Ellis or one of their real important guys. I mean, remember, um, it was just last year, right? Like Perry. He um, played Perry Ellis last year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You remember that? After Ellis yeah, was exactly. hurt. I, just, yeah. I was laughing because you were saying that because that's exactly the opposite of what Bill Self did last year. And how'd that work out? Yeah, not too well because right. Perry Ellis was hobbled and he keeps bringing that up. He, he wasn't healthy for the NCAA tournament. Yeah, so I, I think you need to you know, uh, lengthen your bench a little bit. I think everybody needs to do that too. We were just talking about how like the seeding guys, you know, teams can go up or down, maybe a spot or whatever. Um, but for the most part it is set. And, and if everybody's lengthening their bench, that's a big advantage to Kansas in, in the tournament too. Cause they have, you know, they don't have the best, uh, starting five in the league, but I do think they have the best, you know, top eight, nine, ten or whatever in the league. It's an interesting thing because I think the NBA, as people are studying and learning more about rest, it's becoming more commonplace for the Spurs, for the Warriors to rest their guys. Uh-huh. Now, Steve Kerr has already talked about, I had that in the story in today's Star about on Tuesday, about how Kerr's already talked about he doesn't care about the wins record, breaking the 95-96 bulls. He wants to make sure his guys are rested. Mm-hmm. And you saw some of that in the finals last year when the Warriors were more fresh in the final games of the mm-hmm. finals and were able to beat a very tired LeBron. So the only thing is that, for one, Basically, there's no team in the NCAA that is in the same scenario as Bill Self right now, which has basically guaranteed itself a one seed. So he's kind of on his own out here. And for two, nobody in the NCAA has kind of set that precedent to say, hey, we're going to kind of sit out the the conference tournament. And it's a little bit more dangerous if you're Bill Self because you're playing in your backyard. You've got Mm -hmm. a bunch of your fans, a bunch of your alumni. Kansas City is the biggest alumni base. So it's not like you can come out and basically just say, 
yeah, we're just going to sit this one out. We're going to get ready for the next week. I mean, that would kind of be a bad look. So it is this weird sort of dilemma. KU did a study three years ago about rest and uh, about their testosterone and cortisol levels. Cortisol levels. I won't get too deep into it, but they basically found that right before the NCAA tournament, their players were the most stressed of all year and that rest obviously helps with that. So they know the possible damage or impact that three games in 30 minutes can play on guys. So it is a really weird spot to be in to kind of know that this could really harm your team for the most important games in a week, but yet sort of also not at least be forced into saying the right things like, hey, you want to try to win the tournament, you want to try to win. But uh, we were talking about, I mean, I don't I don't see there being any reason to not have hard minute caps on a lot yeah. of KU's guys. That seems like it would be a natural thing. and seems like even if you're really wanting to win a game in the Big 12 tournament, you could should kind of see uh, the big picture, the one-mile view, and, and at least consider to, to not wear your guys down to the point where they're not effective uh, a week from Thursday. What I hear you saying is that we need the holiday tournament back. That's <laughs> – listen, how awesome would this tournament be <laughs> yeah. if it meant something? I mean, yeah. I, and again, I don't, I don't mean to talk – again, it's a great event. All these fans will be excited. I don't want to say it means nothing, but with stakes involved. You know what yeah, I mean? Like There's this, nothing at stake. Exactly. This would – Love the tournament, nothing at stake. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, all these teams coming together, we know it's a great conference. We know there's super talented teams and coaches and the player of the year in college basketball. I mean, how awesome would it be if, like, this is going down in the ledger in, in December or January? So mm-hmm. – Again, it'll never happen, but that's the only that's the only downside with this because the tournament is Saturday, and we all know by five o'clock Sunday, it's basically totally forgotten. Yeah. You know the counter the counter to the argument is um, you know Kansas when they won the 08 national championship won the Big 12 tournament and played three games obviously three games in three days. I remember Mario Chalmers had the huge game against Texas in the final. I think, if I, I may be mistaken, I think that was the last time Kansas actually wore their blue uniforms in the Big 12 tournament. was the <laughs> championship yeah, game of the, of the 08. <laughs> That's how long it's been. Um, and then there was the, the, the Connecticut example, of course, when they won five games in five days in the Big East, mm-hmm. the Kemba Walker team, and went on to win the national championship. So, uh, But I, I think that I, I agree with both, both you guys that um, uh, if you have an opportunity to rest – you take the opportunity yeah. to rest. I just think it's well, such a unique scenario because nobody usually isn't, even at KU, usually like, oh, they might get a one seed, they might get a two seed. You're at least into it to say, oh, well, you got to earn the one seed. But they're just not in any danger of dropping out this year, yeah. I don't think. I, I also think like, uh, and maybe this is even more, more true with this Kansas team that's won 11 straight in, you know, the nation's toughest conference or whatever. But the idea of like momentum and like playing well and you need to – go into the NCAA tournament on a good footing, you know, I think is a little bit, um, you know, I know like the UConn example and the KU in 08, but like there's also didn't, uh, in 2012, they KU didn't lost play Baylor, well, right? Yeah. In the, se- um, in the semifinals. In the semis. Yeah. Was, and then that, that was the, the Mizzou year, right? Where um, yep. that Mizzou was going to be. Beat, beat Baylor in the championship. And, and that was going to be that, that Border War three well, um, well, in the championship game, but it just didn't happen. And even more recent examples, last year Iowa State wins the, the Big yes. 12 tournament and Great loses example. to UAB. Well, 2012 was Norfolk, right? Norfolk for, State was from Missouri. The first round. I, which which <laughs> I think there is a – I think that's an emotional more than a – or as much as a physical issue. I think a team yeah. celebrates and – is spent emotionally, and you know, in in both cases, Iowa State last year, Missouri in 2012, Sprint Center was packed uh-huh. and loud and vibrant and just shaking. And then both of those teams go to a first round site where the building's half filled. Uh-huh. They're playing an opponent that uh, that doesn't care who they are, mm-hmm. and I think their energy level. Iowa State last year, Missouri in 2012. I was at both of those games. Energy levels low, shooting percentages are down. It's just not the same team, and I think 
that's where winning the tournament has yeah. you know an ill effect on a team. It's funny, like you say the the Norfolk Stakes. I think the celebrating the one and and you know having a letdown later is why Norfolk State wasn't nearly as good in their second round game. <laughs> <laughs> and UAB lost. They, its second they game partied as well. that night up after they beat Mizzou. That was that was something. And they, I think all this conversation is just new stuff too. I was reading. This is going to shock you, Sam. I'm, you might Uh-oh. want to sit back in your seat. I was reading the ESPN the magazine analytics issue. Uh oh. I know. <laughs> Shocker there, right? Holding can't can't believe I'd read hands. stuff like that. But they were talking about the NBA schedule and how they're trying to back off. They have an algorithm where teams don't travel as much, and they're realizing how much they're wearing teams down. But they're trying to eliminate back-to-back nights as well because they're finding that, hey, the second night on a back-to-back, guys are getting injured more often. And, again, this could potentially be a back-to-back-to-back. Mm-hmm. And, and, again, just the way it taxes your body. And, and, you know, it used to be the old mindset of coaches, and, oh, you got to be tougher, you know, just battle through it, that sort of thing. But I think as – people realize, you know, hey, this is what you have. You have the talented players. You better treat them as well as you can. And, again, I think this is all stuff that's come in the last few years. So it's just changed the conversation when it's come to what does this mean and, and how important is it in the grand scheme of things. Now, I think the biggest danger, Blair, is exactly what you're saying. I mean, if you put all your eggs in the NCAA tournament basket and they lose in the round of 32 anyway, then you're thinking, well, you just you blew a chance to win the Big 12 tournament and you blew a chance in the NCAA. So, I mean, you could it could backfire on you for sure. But – um, I think at a base level that, that Bill Self, from talking to him yesterday, I think he's considering minutes caps, and I think he's considering at least going into it resting guys. Now, I've said it before and over and over again, the guy is a Hall of Famer because he's so freaking competitive. And mm-hmm. so you yep. get into a two-point game with two minutes left against K-State in the quarterfinals. And, and Frank and you, Minutes already played. Frank Mason's already played thirty-six and, minutes. And Frank Mason has played thirty-two minutes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just—it's again. He, this he is all great out. to talk about in theory, right. but Bill Self is a Hall of Fame coach because he's the guy that got technicals in his first exhibition game with Oral Roberts, and because he's screaming at officials in a European exhibition f- summer trip for his team that don't speak his language. You know, I mean, <laughs> that is who he is. So it's going to be very difficult to change that, no matter uh, if he knows it's the best thing for his team or not. I think what he does, what he also knows, too, about this tournament is uh, lose on Friday. Lose on Thursday or Friday. Do not lose on Saturday. Yes. Once they get to Saturday, you might as well win. Because you're playing um, three games. Well, yeah, I, then, I'll, then I'll extend that. I say don't, don't lose on Thursday either. Don't lose the first or, – or lose – don't lose Thursday and don't lose Saturday for him. I I think there's – I remember in 09 when they went to Oklahoma City as the one seed and lost to Baylor as an eight or a nine and made the team go back that night – just so they could go to class the next day and hear about them losing in the first round of the Big 12 tournament. That was his, you know, that was his line in the postgame that day. You know, you go check out of your rooms, fellas. You're going to class tomorrow, and you're going you're gonna to wear this one. So I, I get a sense that this, the semifinal loss has not been a crusher for him. And in, in 12, it served him well. They got to the championship, NCAA championship. And yet in 09, that was one of their least talented teams with, you know, Aldrich and Tyson Taylor and the Morris Twins and a bunch of bubble gum. That was the Blake and Griffin that, senior year And that team, team made, it to the sweet, made it to the Sweet 16 and lost to Michigan was State, which was a State, pretty yeah. decent Michigan State team. Final four year. Michigan State. So, I, and I, again, I, I, we can kind of go at this so many different angles. But, yeah, I, I agree to an extent. But it's the same thing. It's like if Oklahoma State wins, I feel like the quarterfinal loss wouldn't be as bad. But if K-State wins, like, it's the same thing. Like, do you want to lose to K-State in the quarterfinals? I mean, is that something that, that – 
that you want to live with, at least even for the next two or three days. I, again, it's, it's it's a tough deal for Bill Self. I don't envy his position at all. I, I can think of a fan base in our circulation area that would be okay with a K State victory over Kansas. I can that, too. Yeah. They, they, I can they, think of two fan bases that would be okay <laughs> with right. that. Come <laughs> to think as of it, that's right. As is always the case when Kansas loses, <laughs> but one directly. Which brings us to our next point. Kansas State does play Oklahoma State in the uh, in the eight nine game, and it just uh, the the longer the season endured, and and with the exception of that win over top ranked Oklahoma at Bramlage uh, a month or so ago, it's just not been a it's been a bad season for K State and a bad season for Bruce Weber. Well, it's funny, like when you said that about there's one fan base that that would like a a win over Kansas in the quarterfinal. Like I thought. There's part of that fan base that would might be like, ah, screw Bruce Weber still. You know, like I hope they lose by forty. I, I I do think it's a minority, but it is a vocal uh, minority. It's just been. Um, they are though. I heard um, they're the best sixteen and fifteen team in the country though. I heard that from no less a source than the Big Twelve Coach of the Year. <laughs> That's perfect. Tubby Smith. So, yeah, yeah. How about that? He said K State is the best sixteen and fifteen team in the country. So. And Put Tubby, that on Tubby's a not even playing them. How about that? Yeah. Um, well, and we we were checking this out the other day that there is NIT bracketology, <laughs> and K State's all Stop. over the map, all <laughs> over the map on NIT bracketology, as high as two in one, wow. and um, on the wrong side of the bubble in in others. Who's so, doing uh, NIT bracketology? That, that's <laughs> I just love how there are multiple yeah that's NIT like bracketology choices. Intern, you know, like go do this, maybe someday, kid. <laughs> um, I, I agree. I think Bruce Weber will be back next year, no matter yeah. what happens in in Kansas City and um, and what might be beyond for the Wildcats. But I think the, st- the stakes are high for him next season. They're, they're for sure. And, and, and I'll go one step further. Like, I think he will be back. I think there's next to no chance that he's not back. Um, but I think he should be back. Because I think if you fire him, you, you can be justified fire him last year when Marcus Foster and, you know, th- that whole thing didn't work out. Like, I still think you're firing him two years after you won a share of your first conference title in a generation. Um, so it's not what I would have done. But that, that's more justifiable than firing him this year, I think even with all of the setbacks and, and losses and excuse-making and, and a lot of other things that are just not a good look. But, yeah, he's got to win. you got to win next year. you got your team coming back, basically, except for Edwards and Hurt, right? That's like, right. Pretty much everybody's back. Every, everybody else is back. Um, you know, you've got I, – I, you know, there, there's a million factors that, that could change this, but you got to be top half of the league next year, right? Which is where they have been until a couple years, you know, the last two years, right? And, and, and w- one thing that's, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but like one thing that's going in their favor too, um, this team, like Tubby Smith does have a point in that K-State I think is better than their record this year. And some of that is playing in this ridiculously stacked uh, conference. Um, that will play in their favor next year because I don't think the league's going to be nearly as good. I mean, th- there's a lot of good players it's, it's that, been a that great, are going to be gone. It's been a great senior year for yeah. the Big 12, absolutely. And you're right. Look at the all-conference team, all, all those – Niang, Ellis, Heald. Yeah, uh, yeah. Jay, I think Jay Sean Page. West Virginia's a senior. A lot of these guys are gone. Yeah, Rico, so, Rico Gathers. Yeah, West Virginia, Oklahoma, Iowa State are not going to be – you know, you wouldn't think nearly as good next year. Yeah, Rico Gathers is gone – um is prince is is he he's a junior right um so anyway so like anyway the league's not going to be nearly as good so there there's some room even if k-state's just the same uh the same level that they are this year i think they might finish they'd win some more games in the league next year but they should be when you return that many guys and and they're really high on um 
the, the kid from St. Louis, Xavier Sneed, and you know they've they've got they've got some things coming in where they 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 should be better. They need to be better because you know if 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 they're whatever, um, you know if, if they're seventh in the league again next year, that's we're doing a coaching search. Sam, I got a I got a question for you. Just off the top of your head here, I know I'm kind of KU Big Twelve play ten points or less games. 10 and 0. 0. K State, Big 12 play, 10 points or less games, 0 and 9. Yeah. How much do you attribute that to coaching? How much do you attribute that to just the ball bouncing a certain way? I mean, again, you've talked about, you've had your column about Bruce Weber and obviously the hot seat and what's coming for him next year, how they need to be better. But, I mean, we've we've had this conversation with the Royals in baseball. So, I I mean, I figure it can't be just like, oh my gosh, we just have to give it up to luck in the atmosphere. But, I mean, that is so drastic. It's I, a huge... I mean, what, what do you think? Yeah, I want to hear what Blair says about this, too. But, like, um, I, I think Bill Self's the best coach in the, in the conference. Um, I, I think... So, some of that is I, I definitely coaching. And they're also experienced, um, especially on the perimeter. Uh, but I, I think Bruce Weber is a better coach than it seems like a lot of people think he is. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll say it like that. Um, but I, I think there's something to be said for you have to lose before you win. And, you know, without – I don't want to get in a situation where, like, you don't get credit for being, like, almost okay. Yeah. You know, like um, – but they did lose a lot of games where it could have gone the other way. Now, some of that is K-State's fault um, because was it the um, – was it the Texas game where K- – it was a close game. It was in Manhattan. Yes. And, and uh, they got this bull dice shot at the end. <laughs> they, they, had, they, had, they, had, they had 19 seconds. Oh. They had 19 seconds down one. Oh, and so Wade, Wade didn't even want to shoot it. Yeah, you know, he, he got it in his hands with five seconds to go. He looked to pass and then put yeah. up the shot. Yeah. I mean, it was just a terrible. Why they didn't take a timeout to set something up? You got to be better than that. And so, like, you know, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like more than one thing can be true. And um, you know, K State needs to go if they have nine more games that are ten points or less. They need to go six and three, or at least five and four, whatever in those games next year with a more experienced team. But it's but it's but, manageable for that to happen. I mean, something could happen. Not, yeah. yeah, I mean, they're that's, not getting blowed out every yeah, game that, that's they, they, what's but, so weird about yeah, this team but at the same time like i just there's a middle ground in there because you don't give a you don't give a team credit for losing you know you don't give a team a credit for like almost being there you know like at, at some point you need to close the deal except <laughs> missouri fans would probably love to almost be there for their for their stuff but again Look that's a totally different discussion wow. coming yeah. coming strong <laughs> <laughs> One one of the thing, one of the things that affected Kansas State this year was the injury to Kamau Stokes, the point yeah. freshman point guard who was uh, having a better season than I expected him to have, and um, and he hasn't played the second half of the year. Kansas in close games to me is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's what's happened with this team? I when they lost to Michigan State in the you know in the Champions Classic earlier this year, I was stunned by that because they gave up the lead late with. You know, they couldn't stop Denzel Valentine for one thing, and not many people have. He's such a great player. You can make a strong case for him as National Player of the Year. But I just thought a team that had that had uh, Frank Mason and Devontae Graham would be the team that would make the good, the, the right plays, the smart decisions down the stretch. Mm-hmm. And I was really surprised when when that didn't happen against Michigan State. It's happened every other time this year in close yeah. games. Yeah. They lose at Iowa State, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, all by double digits. So at some point they didn't make the right plays when those games, you know, went from one side to the other. But in all that, when when they go down to win at Oklahoma, um, Iowa State in the regular season finale, um, West Virginia had a crucial juncture. 
Kansas always makes the right play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's not always at Allen Fieldhouse where they've got the fans and, and officials and, and all the other things going for them. It's on the road, too. And yeah. um, uh, Baylor, they made the good, the, the smart plays down the stretch. So I, I, I think this, this is a team, when you have experience, especially in the backcourt, you trust them to make the, the, the smart play, the right play in the end. Yeah, yeah. it's it's crazy, too, because, I mean, I, I, that's kind of why I'm asking you because it's, it's really tough for me to, to come in on a side on this because, you know, the next loss that KU has is probably going to be by single digits. You know right. what I mean? So, like, yeah. at some point, it, you know, we, we're talking about how great they are and how great, how, they, how great they have been, which is absolutely true, but you figure that that might not happen at some stretch. So uh, it is just tough to, to for me to judge the Bruce Weber season especially because, like you said, you don't get credit for losses – but at the same time, it's it's like they are at a certain point where they're at least competitive in this really yeah. tough Big 12. And you figure at some juncture that, oh, my God, somebody's going to kick the ball out of bounds and you're going to win a game even if you didn't mean to. You know what I mean? But, again, that just well, how about, that hasn't happened nine times for K-State this year. Well, how about – how about Kadeem Latin missing a free throw with two go. seconds to go? Right. And Buddy Healed missing a free, free throw, throw shooter. Missing that, a free throw at the end that would have tied the game. Again, why I mean K State, why why couldn't one of those happen? You know, you right. figure like yeah. at some point the ball might bounce your way, but it's just been one of those seasons for K State for sure. That Kadeem Latin free throw was one of the ultimate ball don't lie moments too. Like that, <laughs> that is absolutely what needed to happen for that game. Oh, and that in Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't there a timeout before? I mean, he had like yeah. three minutes to think about <laughs> the freshman in the biggest moment of yeah, his life, yeah, and yeah. that poor kid. Uh, but what does what does that do to Kansas season if that ball goes through? And and Kansas, um, you know, that that would have been the first loss of the season or, or the Big Twelve season for Kansas because it was only the it was the first big Monday game of the year. Mm-hmm. They they hadn't lost to Iowa State and West Virginia. And, uh, and Oklahoma State at that point, I, maybe that changes the trajectory of Kansas. I don't know. But well, don't, uh, it might change. I'm, I'm sorry, Sam, but it yeah. might change the trajectory of Oklahoma too. I mean, yeah. I, well, I, that I don't. I, that I don't think because the Oklahoma senior starters continue to play 35 minutes a game throughout the season. I think that game, the, the fact that what did Buddy he play 55? I mean, he played almost every minute of that game. Mm-hmm. I think that's why Oklahoma would not be my pick to win this Big 12 tournament. And in fact, I see them. Maybe of all the Big Twelve contenders, not having not not lasting long in the NCAA because Lon has played his guys mm-hmm. incredible minutes. They've got three of the top five minutes played guys in the Big Twelve, and that night in, in Lawrence was you know was was Exhibit A. Well, I, two things. Like first, um, I agree with you about Oklahoma. As much as I love watching them play, uh, I think there's something to be said for the idea. And I you know none of us know where they'll be playing or whatever. But I think there's something to be said to the idea about. Uh, three-point shooting teams that rely so heavily on three-point shooting that can be a a particular problem when you play in a dome and you don't have like the typical kind of shooting background that you're used to I I think there's something to that idea but the other thing we talked about this a little bit yesterday in Lawrence about that that KU Oklahoma game the first one in Lawrence um, that set up the conference season so beautifully that that game was an absolute showcase one of the best games I've ever been lucky enough to, to see in person and everybody tuned into that game. It broke TV ratings records. People fell in love with Buddy Heald. Um, and, and the timing of that game, that it was so early in the conference season, I think like woke people up and kind of alerted people that, that the Big 12 was going to be a show all year. Like if, if that game, I forgot the date. It was like, it was the first week of January, right? It was right yeah. after it, the it, new year. It was the Monday before the National Football, College Football Championship yes. game. So it was like January 4th or something. I was going like to say January 4th, actually. But like if, if that game, instead of January 4th, what if that game is February 
twenty, you know, fifth or whatever. Um, I, it doesn't get the same bump. Like I, I feel like the conference got a huge bump from that. Buddy Heel got a huge bump from that, scoring forty four. You know, with millions and millions of people watching, it was great for the the league's been great on its own. But that was a fortunate fortunate break for him too. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And again, just everything that falling that way. What I was talking about with Oklahoma. Again, you you don't know what's going to happen in the future, but KU, even after winning that game, lost those three games you were talking about. And all of a sudden, if that happened, we're talking about KU 4-4 and in the Big 12 at the time. Uh And uh, I've talked before about how it seemed like once KU got down and started winning and then Oklahoma lost to K-State and West Virginia lost the game, you didn't think that kind of the natural order of things started to come around again. Like everybody thought, Kansas thought, well, it's another one of those years. Everybody else thought, Welp, it's another one of those years. Yeah. Again, maybe that doesn't happen if Oklahoma yeah. starts seven and one and KU starts four and four. I mean, yeah. is that too much of a gap to be like, you're looking up at the standings, half the season's conference season's done, almost half of it, and you're three games down to a team that's pretty darn good. So, uh, again, I agree with you, Sam, that that was really a big showcase and, and changed the complexion of the Big 12 and got the headlines it did. But that's the only thing I'm meaning with Oklahoma is that instead of everybody starting to turn and feel like toward the second half of the conference season that, okay, it's Kansas's year again, and Kansas feeling like, okay, it's Kansas's <laughs> year again. Uh, you know, if you're three games back, all of a sudden you might think, this, this is just not going to be it. This is, yeah. this is where it's going to end. All right, let's, uh, let's wrap this up by uh, uh, predicting a winner of the Big 12 tournament. I'll, I'll go first and give you a chance to think about it. Um, I'm going to say West Virginia, the, the two seed, and I, I'm picking West Virginia because I think – they're going to come in pretty pretty hungry. I, I, you know, I thought they believed they had the best team in the league this year, especially after they beat Kansas pretty. You know, as badly as Kansas lost at Oklahoma State, I thought that the loss to West Virginia and Morgantown was more convincing of a loss to me for for the Jayhawks. And um, West Virginia's just impressed me all year. I think they're going to come in highly motivated. I think this is right. I don't think they've ever won a Big 12 tournament game. I think they're 0-3 mm. or whatever. Not even a game? I don't think they've wow. won a game here. So mm. um, I think it's going to be important for, for Huggins to you know to do well here. And I'm, I'm going with the Mountaineers, I guess, over Kansas in, in the final, uh, which would be a, the top two seeds getting there. So, Jesse, what do you think? Well, <laughs> that's – you know, I, I, I might actually go a little bit off – I'll go Oklahoma. Uh, I, I still like Oklahoma – um, again, you want to talk about another team that has not fared well under Lon Kruger at the Big 12 tournament. That's that's another team that has not historically had it. But uh, it, it's it's tough for me to pick Kansas in this just because of exactly what we talked about earlier. I just don't know. I don't know that they really are into it or if they really will be into it unless the players just come out and do like they did against Texas and decide that they want to win the whole thing. But I'll go uh, I'll go Oklahoma over West Virginia and. Um, you know, Oklahoma's had a rough stretch. It seemed like they hit, like you said, Blair, they hit their lull lately. You know, Bill, KU and Bill Self's team hit it late January. They've hit it late February. But uh, I guess to look at the league as a whole, uh, Oklahoma to me, Oklahoma West Virginia are kind of the hopes other than Kansas to get to the Final Four. And it seems like they still have talent enough players to do that. So um, I'll, I'll go a little bit off and take the three seed. Uh, West Virginia was going to be my pick, but I can't. Can't uh, do it now. Yeah, Ab- no. I know you ruined not. both of our picks. Absolutely Blair. not. Yeah, look at you. Um, so I'm going to go with Baylor. Baylor Bears. I like Baylor. Uh, I, I feel like, I don't know if the, num- the numbers may say that I'm an absolute liar right now, but it seems like they always do well in this tournament. And they beat I, I don't Kansas know, a bunch. I know that. I, I don't know if that's yeah. if there's a strategic reason for that, if the way that, you know, the zone defense or whatever. I, I don't know. But it seems like they always do well. 
um, in this tournament. They've, they've actually had, um, I didn't realize this until yesterday, um, and I forgot who said this. You might remember. It was in Lawrence. Um, but Baylor's 4-5 and five in at home in the conference this year. Four and five in the conference, six and three on the yeah, road. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I think there's, you know, maybe there's something Got to the that. Got the hell kicked out of them Saturday by West Virginia in Waco. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe there's something to that. But I, I think they've got good players. Um, I actually, I've done a complete 180 in the last, you know, slowly over time. I think Scott Drew is a good coach. Um, you know, I think they can do some things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick Baylor since you stole West Virginia right from under. Yeah, gosh darn it, Blair. No Jayhawks in the um, in, in the group here, which what? means, of course, they'll win three games by an average of 27 <laughs> yeah. points. If yeah. you like road games for Baylor, too, this will be about as close a road game as you can get because whoever they play is guaranteed to have more fans than them. Yes, probably. that is a true fact. Ain't nobody in the media got you more covered on the Big 12 than the Kansas City Star and online at KansasCity.com. Thanks for listening.